love that song. In fact, I love that song so much, I think I almost strained my voice. I was sitting in a good spot there and getting to hear all those good men singing. I just, I just enjoyed it. Uh, if y'all turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. One of the more challenging commands that has been given to us by Jesus is to love your enemies. And here lately, it has been very challenging because this has got to be among the most, well, it is the most hateful time I have ever been alive during. Everybody's angry at somebody else. All these people saying bad things about this guy or that woman or this or that. And it's just, it's just gotten horrible. And of course, Christians have absolutely no business uh, being a part of anything like that. And, and I'll be honest with you, I just get sick to death of it. I don't, I, I don't want to hear it. I can remember a few years ago, I think this may have been before Noah was born. Uh, I went up to Ellisville, Ohio, no, excuse, no, Indiana, excuse me, to Johnny Edwards to kind of go through his preacher training. And one of the things that we did, they, you go up there, you go up there to study. And here I was hanging out with all these young uh, men uh, that wanted to preach the gospel. And they, they took care of everything. They fed us. They, they gave us a place to stay. And so I had spent day after day after day with no, no one else but Christians. It was wonderful. Well, one day I had to go over to, to Walmart and get something, and I got in line, and then there was this fella just spouting the most hateful words and everything, and I tell you, it just felt like somebody had just thrown mud all over me, because it was just so wonderful to be, be away from that. But God's people are not a hateful people. Just because we disagree with something does not mean that we have some kind of hateful malice toward that person. But we look over here in Matthew chapter 5 and beginning in verse 43. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That can be difficult. To do something good for somebody that's doing something bad to me. To even have a, a good attitude. To be open-minded enough to be able to perhaps see some of the good in that person. We live in a society, if, if, if for some reason you find yourself on the other side as they view you as, as their enemy, there's just nothing good that they're going to see about you. And that's sad. But that certainly is not how we are uh, to be uh, as Christians. I guess the first thing that we have to answer is, who's our enemy? Because we, we say to ourselves, well, I don't have any enemies. Well, and you don't have enemies. People cast themselves as your enemy. We go to Matthew chapter 5 and in verse 44. 
This is, this is what an enemy does. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, and do good to them that, that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. It's not that you have some kind of an acrimony toward them or a hatred. It's that they have those feelings about you. They have cast themselves in that role. And really, it's an invitation uh, to just come back at them with the same kind of stuff. That's what they want. I, I hate you. Now you need to turn around and hate me. I was talking a, a few minutes ago with a brother uh, about me and my little brother. My little brother, he had a, a terrible trait for when we were fighting. When he got mad, he didn't feel pain. There is nothing more disheartening than doing something to somebody and it's your best shot and they just stand there smiling at you. Uh, because it, the reason he would smile back at me is because now I've got permission to whoop you. And that he, yes, my little brother used to whoop me. But, you know, yes, he was short. He actually doesn't like me calling him my little brother. He's, he's got a height issues. He's about like this. He always says, no, I'm your younger brother. Uh, but but we're, we're, we're reasonable friends today. He's, he's a good man. Uh, but once again, you know, we don't have to play that game. We don't have to, uh, to hate somebody back. You know, so anybody that hates us, somebody that despises us, somebody that misuses us, they have cast themselves in that role. If they, are, you, just, they spitefully use us. You know, we see people that the idea of spitefulness is there's just people that just like to cause trouble. And sometimes we're going to be the, the, the targets of, of those people because, well, first off, we're nice. We're inviting. And so they may do some things to us that, that aren't very nice. And, of course, that's exactly what they did to Jesus. We look over Matthew chapter 27. In Matthew chapter 27, uh, in beginning in verse 27, Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers and they stripped him and they put on him a scarlet robe and when they had plaited a crown of thorns they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him saying hail king of the Jews and they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head that's an example of, of our Jesus being spitefully used sometimes other people are other people's playthings. Sometimes because somebody's bigger and stronger or bolder than someone else, they feel it's okay to treat somebody else in, in a way that's not very nice. And in this particular case, that was the situation with Jesus. They had the opportunity to use Jesus as a plaything, and that's exactly what they did. They cast themselves as His enemy. He certainly did not view them that way because he was about to die for them. Anyone who persecutes us. Like Saul of Tarsus. We look over in Acts chapter 8. 
Saul was a persecutor. And for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committing them to prison. Sometimes we are attacked because of our faith. It's a sad reality in this day and age, rather than have an open, honest discussion, people just rather hate you than, than to go to the trouble of arguing their point why they're right. Of course, the chance, the, the thing is, is if they actually sat down to argue their point, they may discover that they're wrong and their egos just simply won't allow it. But then we get persecuted because of that. So why do we love our enemies? Here's this person. They want to do mean things to us. And, 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 of course, you kind of have to wonder about a person that wants to do mean things to begin with. Why do we love our enemies? Well, we go back to, to Matthew chapter 5. In Matthew chapter 5 and, and in verse 45... That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same. Our God is a God of love. He loves us. And, and one of the exercises, I think uh, Josh did this once uh, where he had the entire congregation. He may have done this here, but it really had an impact on me. Where we all faced each other and sang, Jesus loves me. You know, we oftentimes, we feel so good about Jesus loving us that sometimes we don't consider that Jesus loves this other person over here too. Jesus loves other people besides you. It's not, you know, it, we don't, you know, need to be narcissistic and think everything is just about us. But Jesus loves that person. That person is acting hatefully. Jesus loves that person. That person that's acting righteously. Jesus loves that person. He wants people to be saved. Why? Because He loves them. And if we're going to be the kind of people that God wants to be, to be like Him... We're going to have to love our enemies. We look over in Luke chapter 6. In Luke chapter 6, uh, beginning in verse 35. But love ye your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and ye shall, shall be the children of the highest for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be ye therefore merciful as your Father also is merciful. Our God is such a loving God. that he, There's good things that happen. We talk about this beautiful day. You know what? There's, there's folks that are going to enjoy this beautiful day that the thought of our Lord is not even going to cross their minds today. But then again, the opportunity is there for that to happen. 
That maybe something might happen and, and they recognize the, the, their situation and they come to him. But God wants us to love those that hate us. We look over in Romans chapter 5. In Romans, the fifth chapter, and in verse 8, this is one of my, my favorite uh, passages, by the way. Uh, although I don't highlight, because if I highlight every passage that I like, my, everything would be yellow and that kind of defeat the purpose. Uh, but I've always been moved by this one. But God commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There's a lot in a relationship about somebody making the first move. In Mary's and my relationship, it was her. I can remember we were driving, we were on 27, making a left on the Bourbon Road when she just blurted out, I love you. I hadn't said it yet. There was several times that we were out and I was just like, I gotta tell her I love her. I done told my best friend I'm gonna marry her. I gotta tell her that I love her. And, and I just, couldn't, I, that's just the way that I, 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 I was, or maybe even still am to a certain extent. Although not with her, she's figured it out. But uh, I can remember that moment because she broke the ice. She's the one that put herself out there. Well, God is the one that has put himself out for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He made the opportunity to come to him before we needed it. He made the investment. I'm always so moved by that. We look over Colossians chapter 1 and verse 21. And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. He's allowed us to come to Him. To be in the household of God as we talked a little bit about last night. What a wonderful blessing it is to be a child of God. I'm so thankful that I got to hear the gospel. And I'm, sure, I'm sure that you brethren are too. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And also... We love our enemies because we don't want to be like them. Have you ever seen somebody said, well, you know, that fella right there is a good example of who not to be. And of course, Jesus told us, you know, the publicans and the sinners, they do the same. You know, we, yeah, if we just love people that, that love us back, well, you know, that's actually kind of easy. You know, that's... You know, that, that, there's no challenge to that. I've been asked many times since I've been getting reacquainted, don't get to see a lot of you folks very often. I keep getting asked the question, keeping Mary straight? 
I've been failing miserably. But you know what? I didn't want a pony ride. I wanted a roller coaster, and that's what I got. I wanted some, somebody that was exciting, somebody that would keep me on my toes, and that's what I've got. And she's a very good woman. And I know there's a lot of folks here that she is the person she is because of how you all uh, took her under your wing so many years ago. Oh, I said many years, and I was talking about a woman. That's not going to be good later. Uh, uh, how you took her under your wings and, and encouraged her and, and taught her the truth, and I'm so grateful for that. She's actually uh, no trouble at all. Uh, I have two hobbies. I, I, I write jokes. I've got a million. Uh, I, I write florist jokes and merry hair jokes. I've got a lot of them. But, you know, once again, you know, we, we, we don't want to take the easy path. The easy path doesn't get anything done. You know, if we let the enemies just continue being their enemies, how, how are we going, if we don't do good for them, how in the world are we going to convert them? You know, the best way to destroy an enemy is to make them a friend. And, of course, we are to overcome evil. We look over at Romans chapter 12. In Romans, the 12th chapter, and beginning in verse 20, Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. We want to overcome evil. You can't change somebody by being the same way they are. You can't warm up a cup of coffee by pouring into the cup coffee that's the same temperature that, that the coffee's already in there at. George Washington Carver made this statement, I will never let another man ruin my life by making me hate him. That's a tremendous burden. I, several years ago, I was listening to NPR driving down the road, and it was they were interviewing this woman that it was her children that for the area, I think it was somewhere in Mississippi, that they were the first to begin going to school back in the late 50s and early 60s, and how terribly they were treated at that time. That people would drive by her house and and shoot at it, and they would do terrible things to their ch her children when they were at school. And the person asked the question, well, do you hate them for that? And she, and she made this statement, and I, I wish there had been some way that I could have captured that and, and been able to refer back to it because it's such a wonderful answer. So if they want to carry all that hate, let them carry it. When we walk around hateful and angry, does that feel good? Is, is that something that's going to lead to something good to happen? In times past, I've had a, a temper. And I can tell you, I don't think a good thing has ever come out of me having a temper tantrum. I've... I've, I've Punch things and 
and did things I, that were just childish. Not a single good thing came from it. Being ugly doesn't fix a thing. And so we overcome evil by doing good. So how do we do that? Well, we go back to our text over here in, in Matthew chapter 5. In verse 44, I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you. You do them good. That'll, that, that'll throw their game off. Say, hey, wait a minute. You, you're not understanding how we're supposed to, to work this out. No, I understand very well. This is a game I don't want to play. So I'm going to do things God's way. You want to do bad to me? I want to do good for you. We look over in Romans chapter 12 and in verse 14. Bless them which curse, persecute you. Bless and curse not. You know, somebody says something about me. First thing I need to make sure is they're not right. And if they are right, well, th thank them for the input. And if they're not, well, oh well. Just don't play the game. Bless them. Be a blessing as opposed to a curse. We'll look over 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrawise blessing, knowing that ye are uh, therefore unto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. You know, people on this earth can only do just so much to us. We've got, we've got a wonderful future ahead of us. And so why get bogged down in these types of things? Just be what God wants us to be and we just move on. And then hopefully that person will, will understand, well, there's something different about him or her. And I want to know what that is. And get the opportunity to teach them the gospel. And so we do that which is good. You know, that's taught in all the covenants. Oh, back in, under the old law, if your enemy's donkey got away, you had to take it back to him. If you found his property, you had to take it back to him. We look over in Galatians chapter 6 and in verse 10. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. God's people are going to people that when we have the opportunity to do good, we're going to do it. It doesn't matter what you've done to me, or may have done to me, what you think about me. I'm going to do what's good. Because that's what I'm commanded. And to be perfectly honest, it kind of makes me feel good to do good. Something else we also must do is 
You've got to pray for them. You know, back in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, as we've, we've already been back there a couple of times, pray for them which despitefully use you. Take them before God in prayer. Sometimes we, we pray the prayer of somebody that maybe they've fallen away or somebody that's close to us and we want them to obey the gospel. And, and we'll pray the prayer, Lord, let, let something happen to get this person's attention in order to, to get them to come to the truth. I'm reminded of a story that I, I heard in a lesson one time from a preacher out in Texas. And there was these three brothers that uh, they had been members of the church and all three of them had fallen away. And one of them got bit by a snake. And being faced with his own mortality like that, he, he said, I need to get things right with God. And so he'd come back to the church. And I hear tell that an elder that, that prayed over him as he, when he come forward said, Lord, could you send two more snakes for his brothers? There was a couple that I used to worship with up at West Mason. And this, this woman, her mother was a very faithful Christian. And what got her attention is there was a storm one night and a tree fell over on their house and was on, her, on their bed. And her husband relayed the story. He says, we walked into the room and saw that tree laying there where they would be sleeping. And she, he said, she turned to me and said, I don't want to go to hell. I'm going back to church. And he, he'd never been uh, approached by the gospel. And he said, well, I can't let her go by herself. And that summer that I was up there, they were so zealous in teaching people that four or five different people of their family were baptized into Christ, including her father, who was well into his 80s. Uh, so a lot happens just simply from a tree falling on. Just when you get somebody to get their mind straight on doing that. And of course, we have to have that goodwill, that, that uh, agape kind of love. We look over in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, d d endureth all things. Just imagine what would happen to people that, once again, who have cast themselves as our enemies and we treat them like that. You know, so we so often know that 1 Corinthians 13 is a, is a chapter about love. It talks about suffering long and being kind and not having envy. 
putting ourselves first, when we have active goodwill to those that have cast themselves as our enemies, we will certainly turn them from enemies into friends. And I'll finish Titus chapter 3, beginning in verse 3. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. And He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior that having been justified by His grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. God has showed us the way to deal with our enemies because we were once enemies of His. And we need to do that to those that would be our enemies. There may be someone here this, this morning that has not been obedient to the gospel of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. One must do what the Word of God says to do in order to be saved. I think I mentioned last night, the, the sinner's prayer is nowhere found in Scripture. But I tell you what is. Hearing God's Word, believing it, repenting of your sins, confessing Jesus as the Christ, and being buried in that water grave of baptism, that is found in the pages of God's Word. And if you're ready to make that decision to do that, won't you come now as we stand and as we sing?